Winter wind blew outside of the home, the walls of which were the only thing standing between them and snowy oblivion. But it was not the wind that had woke the boy from his restless sleep, but the rapping at the door. Someone was outside. His mother had not seemed to notice, and so the boy did not wake her. He was almost grown now at the age of six, or so he told himself. Covering himself in the reindeer blanket, he first went to the window to look outside, to see the nighttime stranger, for truly, the winter solstice's moon had risen and illuminated the snow. Outside was the largest horse he had ever seen, with something quite wrong with how it stood. Perhaps it was one of the massive horses of the south, or to the western isles, where the gales had killed his father, the one with no name. The stranger stepped into the way of the horse, his eyes glowing, no, his eye glowing. Looking down through the imperfect window, thin and gnarly, his frown a slit across his narrow face with an imperfect beard. Boy. The voice was like gravel. Open up. Tis Yule, and I ask hospitality as your guest. The boy stood there, staring up at the man, whose one eye twinkled. Something about his features suggested he was like an elf, though the boy had never seen an elf before. The man was anything but jolly, however. Are you senseless or deaf? Which is it? I request hospitality and wish only for your fire for the night, nothing more. Open the door and let me in. The boy spoke at last, trying to hide that it was not just his voice that was shaking. Mother said I am not to let strangers in. I am the Yule Father, far traveler and master of the Yule beings. You are the master of this house. We are now acquainted and known to one another. Let me in before my feet freeze. I lack shoes. The boy did not believe him and opened the door so that he could see. Indeed, the stranger did not wear shoes. Entering, he wore a red coat over a simple tunic and a cloak of wolf pelt upon it. Beyond him in the trees were two birds, the largest ravens the boy had ever seen, and in the forest beyond their fence, the boy detected life. Wolves. You had better come in. Close the door, far traveler. The man did so, hanging up his cloak before walking to the fire. He sat down in the big chair that the boy's mother forbade him to sit in, and rested his feet before the flames. His calluses were such as the boy had never seen before. You're not to sit in that seat, he said, as he brought the stranger the last of the night's bread. And why is that, boy? It belonged to my father, he replied, firm in his voice at last. The stranger said nothing at first, then looked past the boy. On the far wall of the one-roomed house, typical of the Northlands, a woman slept in the bed. Her back turned to them. She snored loudly. The stranger smiled. What became of him, your father? The boy sat down beside the stranger, old and gnarly, with calloused feet. He died fighting honorably against the gales in the west and dwells now in Valhalla. Oh, does he? So sure are you. Often I find mothers tell their sons and daughters such a tale to hide their father was a coward or a knave. How certain are you? Because everyone says so, the boy said in a rage, only to be met with a shushing sound from the stranger. Surprised, he obeyed. Temper boy, what know you of Valhalla? Do you have plans to dwell in those hallowed halls so soon? The boy said nothing. Indeed, he did not know much, only that his father lived there now, in death. What are those on your sleeve? The strange symbols. I do not recognize the art. 
The man looked at his own red tunic, trimmed in white. Indeed, the symbols ran around his wrist, his neck, his waist. You cannot read them? Your mother does you a disservice. She certainly can read them herself. These are called runes, the writing of our people, given by the High One to man. He won them on Yggdrasil, you know. The boy looked up at the one-eyed stranger. What's Yggdrasil? You know nothing of runes, of Valhalla, or of the World Tree. What do you know, boy? Do you know what tonight is? Do you know that it is Yule? The boy shook his head. It is the longest night of the year, and the northern lights in the sky burn bright. The old man nodded. Yes, but many knights lay claim to that. What of Yule? The boy's silence was enough. Then for your hospitality, shall I give you a tale in return? Shall I reveal to you what you do not know? For you are a clever boy, if not an educated one. You see things others do not, don't you? You say things that are not revealed to you. You walk a weird path, then. You practice the magic of seeing things and doing things. I am no cunning man or witch, far traveler, and you are a rude guest. He thought as much and said so. The old man laughed, and now it was his turn to be shushed. What will you tell me? I would like to hear your tale, if you can be quiet in telling it. I wish to know of runes. Oh, you do, do you? Well, let me tell you first of a night like this one, many years ago. A night when a boy gave hospitality to an old man named Grimnir. But this was not his name, boy. Let me tell you of Grimnir, the far traveler, who has many names, and two ravens, and two wolves, and a horse with eight legs. Let me tell you of his home in Asgard, far beyond the rainbow bridge called Bifrost. Of the Vanir I shall tell you, living in the fair fields of Vanaheim, and of the elves and dwarves and Jotun too. Of the fires of Muspel and ice of Jotunheim, and deepest hell and shadowy Niflheim. Let me tell you the tales of gods and giants and of life and death. Let me tell you of Odin, boy, so that we may cure you of your ignorance. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 2, Episode 1, Trial by Fire. Listen now, boy, to the words I speak. Three Norns there are, soothsayers and oracles, seers of past, of present, of future. And if my words, telling the past and the present, are not true, then may the last Norn prevent any future where I am happy. They know the truth of this tale, and if it is not to be true... You may ask them yourself, boy. You'll find out how in time. Grimnir, the far traveler, like me, you see, was bound. Not just bound, but chained. He was in the center of a wide stone hall, in a fortress ruled over by a king. Between the chains that bound him, he was surrounded by two massive fires that burned hotter and higher than any flame in Midgard that night. For Midgard is the world of humans, the last of the nine worlds, a middle earth between the extremes of the other eight worlds. Far south of here, boy, was the keep of that king, King Geroth, a learned king indeed. Yet how hospitable a man could he be, for the chained guest between the two fires was old, his beard long and matted, now his fine robes of blue torn and de-threaded. He was shackled, and his skin was peeling away, there between the fires. What kind of host does this to his guest, I ask you? Worst yet, the king had not given him anything to eat or drink, for the seven nights prior 
the far traveller Grimnir starved and was deprived of water. On this, the eighth night, a small figure appeared before Grimnir, holding a chalice. A boy was he. His tunic was of a man's height, long to the knees, and a beautifully woven thing of white with red trim, and a long yellow hair sat upon his shoulders. Despite the far traveller's hideous appearance, exposed to fire for eight days, the boy did not look at him in disgust, but instead smiled. "'I have brought you water,' the boy said as the old man stared at him. Grimnir stared back for a moment before allowing himself a smile, his lips dried. "'Bring it here, boy. Do you do this because you were told to or because you want to?' "'What my father the king does is wrong,' said the boy, stepping up to Grimnir. He offered the cup, and Grimnir drank. Not the hungry thirst of a man at sea, but a calm, mournful drink, until the whole of the chalice was drained. Not one drop was wasted, and the boy was careful. "'What is your name, boy?' "'Agnar,' said the boy. "'And you are Grimnir, the wizard.' The old man's smile had more life to it. "'Indeed, I am Grimnir, and some have called me a wizard for my knowledge and cunning ways. But you are named for your uncle, are you not?' the king's elder brother. Tell me, what became of Agnar the elder? The boy shook his head. Father says he lives simply in the forest, keeping to himself. Father has invited him to many of his feasts, but Uncle Agnar will not come. Because your uncle has learned of the excessive feast of Geroth, his younger brother, and recalls the words of their foster father and mother, what know you of your grandparents? I knew them in my youth. A twinkle formed in Grimnir's eyes. Father says that they were wise in the way of elves and of dwarves and trolls and parleyed with giants and the high ones. Grimnir nodded. His skin seemed less rough now, and his eyes, strained before, scanned the tables of Geroth's hall, looking for something beyond the king's table, where laughter echoed off the walls as if in a deep cave. They were wise in those ways, and though old they were, they were strong and taught your father how to speak one way and mean other ways. He has used that for his own gain. Is he a good king, Agnar the Younger? Agnar thought carefully, for all the hard questions of the world require thought, boy, and forget it not. Agnar, a boy like you, was careful in his answer. He is hospitable to those who have good will to him and wise in his subjects' needs, but he is fearful, and fear projects him into violence and malice. He bound you in fear, Grimnir the wizard, for a wizard of blue he fears. Yes, and a wizard of blue I appear to be, Grimnir replied, and his blue tunic seemed at once mended. His cloak and pants, too, were fine, not stained by the last seven nights of pain and suffering and negligence. Why does he fear this wizard? The handmaiden of a fair queen came to my father's court not ten nights hence, warning that a blue wizard wandering the Northlands, from fjord to forest and deepest snowy field, bringing woe and ruin to those halls he has visited. He will be marked by a man no dog barks at, though the stranger he may be. So father began to seek out this wizard, interrogating all newcomers and exposing them to his most ravenous dogs. And when you came, father knew instantly who you were, far traveler, for no dog barked at you and seemed at ease. And thus he bound you here. Grimnir smiled. Your father does not know who I am, but when he does, he will feel a deep shame, Agnar. You? I see wisdom in you, a wisdom like your uncle, but your fate will be different than your uncle. 
a father of a great people i see wide-spanning and influential the goths will topple great empires to the south and found greater empires that cross oceans and ideologies many good kings and queens will come from your line but many kings like your father too and many worse yet what is better then to rule your subjects evenly or in fear what shows the wisdom of being a ruler more beloved of my people i would want to be and respected by my foes if foes i must have i will defend what is mine and do what is right let it be known agnar the greater where you recognize great evil in the world speak out against it give no quarter to enemies of goodness and peace or else your halls they will stain these are the words of the king of the gods of asgard spoken to you i shall heed his warning said agnar it was then that geroth took notice of his son so close to the prisoner agnar boy away from the prisoner lest he enchant you he has no need of that for wisdom in his heart he already has geroth's second son came the voice of grimnir loud and banging off the walls of the hall then all laughter ceased all voices ended the songs of scalds concluded on ill notes geroth rose from his high table hand on his sword speak that name again for a traveler what did you call me you know what i called you for that is what you are geroth second son of no father raised by glennon wood raised better than this and wiser to avoid such paranoia for you have let fear poison what you were taught by your foster parents doubt filled the face of the king who rounded the table and came closer no living man knows what my foster mother and father called me when but a foundling i was grimnir is not your name is it far traveler grimnir is my name but it is not my only name many names have i geroth and you know them now don't you unbind your foster father and never again put a man in chains who comes seeking hospitality in your halls Geroth faltered, his mouth moving as tears flowed from his eyes. He was not fast enough, you see, boy. Such was the shame of Geroth's actions, made plain for all to see, and terrified of retribution was he, for he knew who his foster father truly was. Grimnir grew tired of the mashing of teeth and rose, breaking the chains himself, and a great holler rang out among the crowd there, and all but Agnar recoiled. Geroth screeched a high cry of an eagle in ecstasy, and it was then that Grimnir rose his hand and cast the first spell. Your sword is your own doom. Your hand no longer upon its hilt rests. The sword at Geroth's side fell as he lost his footing, and an ill thing occurred. As he fell, he plunged his back onto his own blade, spreading blood across the floor. Before a single soul sought to reach out to the king, Geroth was dead, dying a dishonest death. Only Agnar seemed to watch this without fear for himself, though he had sadness for his death of his father who loved him. The fires grew then and became one, and the man before the fire changed. More than Grimnir, I am Odin. Borson am I, one of the three kings of Asgard. Villa and Ve are my brothers, Frigga my fair queen. By earth I sired Thor, defender of Midgard. By giant I sired Tyr, master of war. From fair Frigga came fair Balder, most beautiful of the Aesir and Vanir. And far traveler and wanderer am I. Upon your throne I seat Agnar, the younger but the greater, whom dominion of many lands shall have, and from whom many halls will claim descent from. Serve your new king well, and be mindful of strangers to your doors. Odin wanders long. 
He walked to the high table, where sat a woman with red hair and a gown of perfect glimmering white. She, like Agnar, was not fearful, and she was the honored guest of Geroth. Fula, handmaiden of Frigga, well met. Your duty here is done. Return to your queen and tell her of my return, for I have many worries in my head. Turning on his heels, he spoke loudly to the crowd. Mankind must be reformed. They must learn wisdom and hospitality and open their hearts again to strangers. They take after the hardening of hearts of the gods, who are at war with one another. Frigga and I saw your king and decided to test him, and we found him lacking. You too we find lacking, but you may be reformed. The choice is yours. I am watching. And with that, the fires of the hall of the new king Agnar faded to small things, dimmed. And Grimnir, who was Odin, disappeared, and with him Fulla, handmaiden of Frigga. Agnar rose then and took his father's throne, and that night was proclaimed king. The first tale ended there. The boy was completely enraptured. So Frigga sent her handmaiden in accordance with Odin to test Geroth? What became of Agnar? Did he become the good king he was ordered to be? The stranger smiled. Oh no, dear boy. He became a better king, proud but humble, kind but stern. He met many different folk of different creeds with alien gods, and he met elves and dwarves and Jotun too. And what guided him? Wisdom and discernment, boy. Remember words spoken by Odin to Agnar, to speak out against evil and stamp it out. He did so, and Agnar will be long remembered for it by many names. A good king always has many names. The boy smiled. Like you have many names. The man smiled. Like indeed. What of Odin? How did he return to his home? I have heard it said that the king of Asgard has one eye. You said Grimnir had two. The man's single eye twinkled. I said this, boy. Let me tell you of the return of Odin to Asgard and what set him on the path to losing his eye and ending the War of the Gods. This tale comes down to us as Grimnisal, the Lay of Grimnir, part of the Codex Regius, which is one of the major sources that Snorri Sturluson uses for his own work in Iceland. It is a cautionary tale of the treatment of guests and avoiding paranoia with wisdom. Grimnir is one of Odin's most common names, the name meaning hood, so expect to hear tale of Grimnir yet again. I also included lines from Hamaval, one of the most famous moral poems in the Codex, and will use it throughout because the poem itself is plotless by and large and involves Odin basically going on moral and ethical tangents, some of which are a wee bit suspect. More on that later. Elements of Grimnisal I left out to go into greater detail for the next episode, when we visit the World Tree, so my retelling of myths will take some artistic license with what they include and don't include compared to the originals. This season, I'm framing the entire story as the stranger, the Yule Father, telling the tale to a young boy on Yule, one of the many winter solstice festivals that has been rolled into our modern Christmas. This allows me to speak in a different voice, which I find more exciting than last season, and different North seasons will follow different trajectories. The Yule Father is not going to be telling the tale of Freya or Thor, mind you, and of course cannot tell Ragnarok if he's already gone through it. Spoiler alert on that end. It's worth noting that the Goths mentioned in the original tale, and here, refer to not just the Goths of Scandinavia or Gotland and such, but of all of the Germanic peoples. In essence, Odin is anointing the ancestor of all of the Germanic peoples of Europe. When did this tale take place? I left it ambiguous and have no intention of answering that.
Godyssey is written, researched, and produced by me, Greg Wright. It was edited by Sidney Yeager, whose eyes are brighter than the Northern Lights. Music was provided by Scott Buckley, whose creative common works can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au and who can be supported at Patreon. We have social media, Twitter primarily, but with a Facebook and new Instagram account too. Check us out for all sorts of fun mythological nuggets on Mythology Monday, Weird Wednesday, and more. If you want to support the show, we would love your patronage at Patreon. Links on all those are in the show notes below. We have occasional blog posts and such if you want to check those out too. Godyssey updates every week, and early access episodes on our Patreon come a week earlier. Hail, Far Traveler, and see you again next week.